Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are back for another edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat capable host off of another wild weekend, whether it was baseball wild card, whether it was me being in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where a 25-point underdog Texas A&M had a chance to upset number one Alabama in the closing seconds, another weekend of the NFL, and much more. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be back with John Lewis. Always good to talk with you, and especially with all these different subjects. October, a very fascinating month with baseball winding down, the NFL and college football in full swing, and then here comes the start to the NBA and NHL seasons as well. How are you? How are things? Things are going pretty well, at least uh, you know as far as I know, and uh, another week of college football, the NFL, and of course the NHL starts tonight, the NBA starts in a week, so things are really starting to heat up. Very true. Uh, the hockey season even snuck up on me. I thought that it was going to be next week and used to always rely on basketball kind of being at the end of October or the beginning of November. But they're saying, hey, let's go ahead and take advantage, play games and uh, stretch it out as much as possible for both hockey and the basketball. So we've got a lot to talk about. Thank you again for finding us. However, you did so uh, via John's site, a social media link sportsmediawatch.com website or a social media link. Make sure you're following or and or subscribing, whatever the case is, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc., because this will come automatically to you. We're usually out late Tuesday, Wednesday morning uh, in our coverage, so uh, you will get that. And, and obviously on the sportsmediawatch.com feed, as we keep saying, tell me a story I don't know is the podcast with George Offman, kind of a Chicago tinge to a bunch of different sports media personalities, et cetera. He sometimes uh, goes into the rare exception category, including for this week where George is talking to Washington commanders coach Ron Rivera, a fascinating story for a lot of uh, reasons. And not the least of which is we're running that interview this week because Rivera's old team that he played for and was part of the Super Bowl winning Chicago bears of 1985 is going against the team that he coaches now, which is the Washington Commanders, that game in Chicago on Thursday night. So we'll talk more with George Offman about the conversation with Ron Rivera and some of his other podcasts he's got a little bit later on in this show, John. I had the chance to engage with John or with uh, George uh, some on that. Also, our guys Mike and Phil with the Announcer Schedules podcast, Mike Gill and Phil DeMont Mullen do a great job of going over the announcers who did well, clips. I have a fear, can I confess to you, I have a fear that I'm going to get critiqued on announcer schedules uh, for the conclusion of Alabama and Texas A&M, where I was, uh, I was animated. I was hollering a little bit because A&M had a chance to win the game with a pass, and it was incomplete, and 100,000 people were going crazy. So I may, get, I may be critiqued on announcer schedules on how I did it well or not well from Mike and Phil, their podcast out later in the week. By the way, John, we should make mention, they recently talked with Dave Sims, television and radio play-by-play man for the Seattle Mariners. I'm going to publicly say again, second week in a row, good on Simsy that he's getting to do playoff baseball. He has been with the Mariners, John, since 2007, not gotten to work a postseason game. They haven't been in a postseason series of any kind since 2001, and now they have won one to stay alive in the baseball playoffs. Good on uh, Dave Sims, though, and and the guys, Mike and Phil, talk to him. Any thoughts there? Because there have been some surprises in baseball, and the Mariners are still very much alive. Oh, it was a, you know, a very good game on Saturday, the big comeback. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good broadcast team ESPN had. Uh, Dave Fleming, who, uh, you know, probably, I mean, let's be real. ESPN hasn't aired any playoff baseball in any real way since 2006. We're not going to count two years ago. Uh, so I think there's a lot of people, myself included, who haven't really heard much Dave Fleming before. I thought he was pretty good. Seemed like a number one quality play-by-play voice. And, you know, Jessica Mendoza was really, if we're being completely honest, not that great on Sunday Night Baseball. Uh, I thought she worked out a lot better in this booth with Dave Fleming and Tim Kirkshen. I thought, you know, sometimes chemistry is what does it. You put Mendoza 
in a three-person booth where one of the people is A-Rod, it's hard to excel, <laughs> right? It's hard to excel. And, and she really, uh, she, she was not particularly strong in that role. But I think if you put her with uh, a Tim Kirkchen uh, and Dave Fleming, I actually thought those that was the best of the announcers, uh, the announcer teams that ESPN used. Uh, I, I, you know, I've read that people didn't like uh, Carl Rabbit and Eduardo Perez and uh, and David Cohn. I didn't notice anything bad about them. Uh, Michael Kay and A-Rod, and uh, certainly hearing Michael Kay say Sia for a Phillies home run was very different. Uh, but, you know, Kay and A-Rod, they are, you know, they're going to be tough for a lot of people, I think. One, the Yankee aspect, and two, you know, A-Rod is so good in the studio and on games, he just dominates and he's got this monotone too. That's the other thing about A-Rod. He speaks in a monotone and it, it it's almost mind numbing at times because if you hear it over three hours, it's just so different than when you hear it, you know, and, you know, in a studio setting before and after games and David Ortiz is there and it's just, on games, A-Rod is, is very, in my view, limited. And then they had another team, but I can't remember because it was the Rays Guardians. Uh, oh, yeah, the horrible nothing, nothing game Saturday, Boog, yeah. Shiambi. And who was with Boog? I'm trying to recall. Wouldn't it, it have been uh, Doug Glanville, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And my God, you have to work with nothing, nothing going into the 15th inning in the game two that Cleveland eventually won with the walk-off. Yeah home run to advance to the New York series. So, and the fascinating thing is again, ESPN did the entire wild card rounds on Friday, Saturday, Sunday exclusively. And, right. uh, and now does not have any more of the postseason as you were pointing out, as we continue along with the baseball theme. Yeah. You know, uh, ESPN ultimately not having any of the division series. It's kind of amazing that it's still like that. You would have thought that by now, you know, they would at least have one series, but uh, ultimately they are done for the rest of the year. They don't have baseball again until April. And look, I mean, we all know that if we're talking about Fox and, and, and well, Fox obviously is the home of baseball. If we're talking about TBS, you know, TBS is still a little bit hard to get used to on the baseball side. Uh, I know they heard the Braves games for so long and they, they had the season long package this year, but, ESPN would make more sense carrying these games than, than Turner, even ES- though Turner does a good yeah. job. If I interject, ESPN, though, is cut way back as well oh, yeah. on basically only doing Sunday night baseball and then special occasions. Because remember, I'm old enough to remember this, uh, when they got baseball uh, back in the 1990s, there were there were literally six or seven games, it seemed like, every week. Double headers on Friday, double headers on Saturday. Uh, on uh, Wednesday, Sunday night baseball seemed like five or six games were on every week. That's not the case anymore. And well, they used to point- do day games too. Yeah, and you've pointed out it's so oversaturated in so many different places: the regional yeah. networks, Apple Plus, Turner, Fox, ESPN. I mean, it's just uh, everywhere, as I like to say. But Rachel Ray and the Food Channel. It seems like yeah. you can find a baseball game. So. Uh, it is interesting. I want your feeling here. Bob Costas will be on that Guardians Yankee series as we release the podcast. They are working the Tuesday night series that John and I have not seen on TBS, but also John on Thursday. And it is the first time in 20 uh, plus years that Bob Costas has been on a series of Major League Baseball uh, playoff games. Uh, much more synonymous with obviously the 80s, 90s and 2000s of Major League uh, Baseball playoff coverage with NBC in particular, the baseball network, uh, the MLB network, uh, et cetera. What are your thoughts, though, on Costas returning here? Well, you know, look, Costas, uh, he's called World Series. He's so associated with baseball. There's a lot of people that don't like him. He is, look, I mean, I think Bob Costas knows as much as anybody. Bob Costas is tremendously pompous, right? And for some of us, we can look beyond that because we appreciate his great play-by-play. We appreciate his erudition. But there's a lot of people for whom I don't want this, you know, pompous, you know, windbag, yada, yada, yada. I mean, to (laughs) me, uh, I think if you can get Bob Costas on a Yankee series, that's great. Uh, I want to hear that. But I grew up on Bob Costas calling NBA games and being the, you know, so associated with that league. And my view is going to be different than somebody who 
didn't have that experience, right? And so, I mean, to me, before I believe Turner would have had Don Arcillo for that secondary series before. Right. Uh, so you know, Orsillo is at this point had, of his career. Uh, they've utilized Brian Anderson. And I'm trying to remember they've utilized someone else over the years. And believe it, no, or it not, would have been it would have been Orsillo. Right. T Turner has been doing these postseason series since uh, back in 2007 or eight. I know they were doing it for the Rays World Series run because I was around those guys in the media. Uh, and in that case, it was Buck Martinez. Uh, who was with Ron Darling yeah. and Dennis Eckersley on TBS in the in the incarnation 14, 15 years ago. So they've kind of utilized some different – Ernie Johnson Jr. has also mm -hmm. been on the postseason coverage yeah. for Turner as well, well previously yeah. for the baseball. And, I mean, he was the play-by – he was their lead play-by-play -play voice for many years. Uh, and, look, Ernie is great, but Ernie's a great studio host. Uh, on on play by play for baseball, he was much more limited and certainly not number one, you know, caliber. Um, so Brian Anderson is their number one. The odd thing is Anderson is calling their number two series in the division series. Costas gets the number one, which is the Yankee series. So that's odd. But, you know, um, look, it'll be good. And to me. I'm looking forward to it. I like Bob Costas on baseball. I like Bob Costas on play by play. I'd love to see him get some NBA games for Turner. You know, that'd be, yeah, but I'm probably in the minority. I think in general, people consider, so you, Costas has all the conservatives who are still mad at him because he did an anti-gun halftime essay a decade ago. Then you have, you know, all the young people who find him to be a stuffy, you know, guy who lectures constantly. You know, I mean, there's just a lot of different people who have different reasons for not liking him. Right. Like, but I'm one of the few people who and again, you know, I, I, I find Costas to be pompous. And, you know, uh, I'm not saying I, I don't understand why people are annoyed by him, but I do enjoy I, I enjoy his work. So I'm happy that he's going to do the division series. All right. I might be and, in the minority, though. And, and again, I enjoy him as well. And there's different opinions. And again, we'll hear more from George about that in a little bit. While we're on this subject, um, I, I would be remiss if I didn't circle back to how did ESPN's ratings do up against the college football and the NFL? Right. Obviously, on Friday, that was not the case when they had the barrage of games uh, on Friday of the wild card round. And again, this is the first time that Major League Baseball has done this with a best of three format all at the same site where ESPN yeah. knew, okay, we're going to get at least two games Friday and Saturday, but there could be three games for as many as four of the series. It turns out only one San Diego and the Mets made it to a third game and to Sunday night and San Diego upset the 101 win New York Mets in that one. How did the ratings overall perform, John? Well, I mean, viewership was up from the previous wildcard round. Should be noted there was the same best of three, same side wildcard round two years ago. Mm -hmm. obviously, you know, the NBA finals was going on at the time, right? I mean, it was a ridiculous uh, time, but uh, as compared to that viewership was up 64%, not hard to beat 2020's TV ratings. Right. But uh, you know, uh, certainly uh, a big jump, uh, not nearly the kind of viewership that you would get for the standalone wildcard games. Right. But the standalone wildcard games are standalone games. So it's different. Uh, really not apples to apples in any capacity. I think uh, ESPN averaged uh, just under 3 million viewers. I think you take that in a heartbeat uh, and uh, had uh, two, the two or three largest audiences of the baseball season so far for the three Padres Mets games. How much do you think it helped on Saturday that the Texas Oklahoma game, which was prominent, um, on uh, ABC was an annihilation by the Texas Longhorns. The mm -hmm. CBS early game was a Georgia destruction of Auburn for their early game. So two of the prominent ones, and again, I believe the Fox game was a fairly close Michigan-Indiana game, but two of the three were blowouts. How much do you think that maybe helped that people surfed around and found the baseball, or do you think two separated the baseball fans were going to find the baseball and the college football fans would have found another game. If it's a blowout game that they're watching. Well, how much does baseball matter in Texas and Oklahoma? Really? I mean, Texas, maybe with the, you know, the Astros, the Astros but, yeah. you know, I mean, uh, certainly in Oklahoma, no one, I mean, Oklahoma and baseball, that's a, that's a football state. 
basketball is probably bigger in Oklahoma than, than baseball, just from the thunder being there. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, college football and, and baseball do have some overlap in terms of audience, but it's not tremendous overlap. You know, uh, college football is very regional and so is baseball to an extent. You know, baseball is very Northeastern and college uh, football is very Southeastern, right? You know, uh, so I, I don't know that people were like, wow, you know, Texas A&M Alabama is really not very fun. Let me go watch the Mets or the Phillies play. I, I don't know if that if that would, and of course, Texas A&M Alabama was a great game actually, right. now that right. I think about it. Uh, but, um, you know, I, I don't know that the, that, you know, I don't know that there's that, that the Venn diagram uh, is, is that there's that much overlap there. Uh, obviously it did help baseball that those college games were not tremendously big because you have those general sports fans that'll watch anything, but, you know, uh, by and large, I think, they're mostly unrelated. I, I think if the college ba- if the college football games had been better, I don't think the baseball numbers would be dramatically different. All right. Kind of separated there with the two audiences. Uh, it is interesting that like in, in the state of Florida, Florida is a big baseball state, a baseball playing state from the youth level uh, all the way up to the high school level. Baseball has different popularity in this state because you can play it year round. The Rays were playing on Saturday afternoon at the same time. For example, the Florida Gators were playing on Saturday afternoon, uh, as well as some of these other games that were going on. So a little different where I live. Southern California obviously had um, the Padres regionally that were involved. But, you know, Southern California also had USC and UCLA playing on Saturday. UCLA remaining undefeated, as is USC. So just interesting in different regions of the country where college football and the baseball overlap. Let's continue. Let's stay with the college football theme Uh, We theorized Ohio State, Michigan State was going to probably be a one-sided affair. It was uh, with Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet doing that game. The Saturday night game on NBC was much better with Notre Dame and BYU, that one at the neutral site in uh, Las Vegas. And I talked to a couple people that were there um, uh, of the Notre Dame variety and love the atmosphere, love the whole thing, and they got a competitive game on NBC. Did that game score a little bit for NBC amongst the other college football and the baseball? Yeah, actually it did. Uh, it, it did beat the game on ABC, and considering Notre Dame is unranked, not really all that relevant this year, that's notable to me. Uh, so, you know, uh, it beat the game on ABC to beat the game on Fox. And, of course, it was no match for Alabama-Texas A&M on uh, CBS, but I think you'll take that in a heartbeat if you're NBC. Uh, finishing second. I mean, again, it's an unranked team. Notre Dame is, is you know, had that terrible start and they're not really relevant this year. So the fact that they can come in and outdraw Clemson, outdraw USC, two top 10 teams, I think is uh, pretty telling. Clemson and it says over- something about, well, it says something about BYU's appeal too. Well, and they, and they had a unique situation where they're playing each other in Las Vegas. So there's some novelty there to help. And in the, in the case of uh, Notre Dame, as you mentioned, um, they had lost to Marshall at home, which kind of dinged them. But but now you're still on a network. You're on NBC. And if you're playing better in a bigger moment, you're going to attract more audience. Again, there are Notre Dame football fans in the Northeast and maybe even the upper Midwest around South Bend, Chicago, that I don't know if they watch a lot of other college football, certainly college football in the South, like you keep referencing. So, yeah. uh, And Clemson and Florida State will be the primetime game for this week for what it's worth on the ABC coverage uh, out of the ACC for that one. Uh, interesting, too, uh, you were at the forefront on this, and I'm going to continue to tout you that when this whole Big Ten TV deal kicks in, are there enough marquee games for standalone on, on Fox at noon, on CBS at 3.30, and then a primetime game on NBC? They've, they've maybe got to work towards that because, for example, the Fox Big Noon kickoff game – is going to be Michigan involved for the fourth consecutive week. They have become the de facto Michigan Wolverine television network, John Lewis, on Fox. It's Michigan, Ohio, uh, Michigan, Penn State coming for this matchup. But, man, that's, uh, that's not ideal for, uh, for Fox to be doing the same team, whether they're winning or not, undefeated or not, to be doing the same team. you got to have a little more diversity in teams, to your point. Yeah, I mean, you know, certainly, but this week it's number 10 versus number five. If this is the week you'd like to carry them, uh, you know, so uh, look, I mean, Michigan now, Ohio State later, right? 
Uh, that's just the way it'll work. Uh, and, uh, you know, you get a top 10 matchup this week. CBS is a top 10 matchup, Alabama, Tennessee. No one complains about CBS putting Alabama in every week. And CBS does have Alabama pretty much every just week. About, so, right. You know, it's kind of the equivalent. Uh, all right. So anyway, Michigan and Penn State, Alabama, Tennessee will be fun to watch during the day if you're into the college football. We continue again. George Offman will be here in a few minutes with his thoughts on Ron Rivera. Fascinating. Tell me a story I don't know. Uh, with Rivera and again they're the Thursday night game let's begin right there with the NFL television package uh, I, I don't think we're revealing a nuclear secret here they have to be very concerned behind the scenes with the quality of play on Thursday night especially off that Indianapolis Denver game that that both Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet Michaels more so as the veteran were mocking the game while it's going on and now you've got Bears commanders this week uh, as well uh, John, any thoughts here? Is that that began the NFL weekend last week in a game that finished twelve to nine in overtime in Denver? Yeah. Well, you know, look, uh, I mean, you put boring teams on, you get a boring game. The Colts are boring. I've been boring since Peyton Manning left. Uh, the Broncos have been boring. They, the Broncos were boring even when Peyton Manning was there. At least the last the last couple of years he was there when he wasn't uh, as as strong a quarterback as all that. Even though they won a Super Bowl. You know, I mean, again, you you put that's a, that's a matchup that reads as boring on paper. You put the Washington Commanders in prime time, you're going to get what you deserve. You know, uh, nobody wants to watch that team. People in Washington don't want to watch that team. Now, I know Ron Rivera is a guest on mm-hmm. George's podcast this week, but the reality is that uh, you know, if you if you've watched the NFL for 20 years, and 20 years is not a short amount of time, so you know, uh, if you've watched the NFL for 20 years, this team is irrelevant. They're, the they're commanders, you mean? Yeah, right, the commanders, right. the Washington football team, the slur they previously used, whatever <laughs> iteration of this team, they're not relevant. They're not a factor. Right. Uh, and uh, they're not interesting to watch. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, you don't, you know, I mean, I, I just don't get it, you know, because to Bears your point, remain, Rivera yeah. says on the podcast to George, he has former Redskin fans all the time come up to him and talk about RFK Stadium and beating yeah. the Dallas Cowboys or beating the Philadelphia Eagles. They haven't played in RFK Stadium in this century. Yeah, that's how long it's been. So. It has been a while, but we know the truth too is the television markets. Chicago, the yeah. number two television market in Washington, D.C., is what in the top seven or eight, right? Something like that. I think that. they're still top 10. It's been a top, while top, since top I've 10. Seen. But yeah. that's a big reason why, because of those fan bases, that they're going to be uh, on, on a Monday night or on a Thursday night for some of these games. We already saw the Bears against the Packers on Sunday night football earlier this year. And I'm fairly confident, it seems like every year the Commanders end up on Thanksgiving Day and or one or two out of the yeah. Monday night, Sunday night variety, even though they've been bad because the TV markets. Well, how are, how are they any different than the Wizards? You know, I mean, realistically, you know, uh, they, they, I mean, the Wizards, haven't the Wizards had more success in the playoff, past years? Playoff appearances, I would say maybe so as well. I mean, just by getting to the conference semifinals, one win from the conference finals in 2017. I mean, when was the last time? Uh, Washington was one win from the NFC championship game. You know, when was the last time Washington was in the divisional round? I mean, I'm sure they've been there. I think you, uh, you got to go back. You got to go back against my Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, they defeated the Buccaneers. I can tell you my first, let's see. No, wait a minute. The, yes, the first year on a radio broadcast, they beat the Buccaneers in the wild card round and made the divisional round in 2005. Oh yeah, not many Taylor. times, not many Sean Taylor, not many times since then, if at all, have they won a wild card game and moved on. So yeah. you're right, their relevance is uh, is minimal on that for sure. Uh, what else off the weekend? The Cowboys and the Rams was the marquee game um, Sunday afternoon on Fox for certain. What about the number that that one did? You would expect it would jump because of the Dallas Cowboys involvement, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it was a nice number. Uh, that national window has done well all season long. And uh, certainly, you know, the Cowboys being as good as they are is a good thing. Uh, you know, they've managed to hold on quite well without Dak Prescott. Uh, and uh, 24 million viewers for that window, mostly Cowboys, Rams on Fox. Sunday Night base, Sunday night Football did not do well this week. 8.6 rating, under 16 million viewers, uh, you know, so... But uh, that was a strong number. The national. How much? Because you have it in front of you. I can see how much did it dip from the previous week 
on Sunday night football with the Chiefs and the Buccaneers to have Bengals. It was a close game. Bengals and and uh, Ravens, yeah, but- two lead changes late, but it's just not Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes, Buccaneers, Chiefs, right? Well, the reality of the matter is it's another, it's not like Colts, Broncos, right? But it's very regional. AFC North, the kind of teams that are always kind of grinding it out in the mud. It's not free-flowing football. And I know the I know the Bengals made the Super Bowl, but they're still the Bengals. They're the Bengals until they do it again and again and again, right? <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, the Ravens, you know, all that Lamar Jackson excitement has faded, I think, to an extent. You know, it's not it's not an exciting matchup on paper. Ravens Bengals. You know, you know it's going to be ten to seven. What was the actual score? 17, 19, 17, I think a lot of field goals. Yeah, nineteen seventeen. They play like it's nineteen seventeen. You know what I mean? <laughs> and the reality of the matter is that. You know, it's it's just one of those matchups that you're not going to get a huge number for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, how much less was it though? And they and um, the, the Chiefs mainly controlled the game with the Buccaneers. It was not that close. They kept them at an arm's length the whole second half. But I have to believe, just my speculation before you tell me, Chiefs Buccaneers probably had three million or four million more. Oh than yeah, Bengals and Ravens. Yeah, Chiefs Bucks was eleven point two rating, twenty point nine million. So that did better than I thought, actually, because I, I I remember that being lower, but uh, no, that was a pretty strong number. And this is the lowest rated and least watched Sunday night game this year: Bengals and, and Ravens. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay. Uh, This week, by the way, it will be the Cowboys and the unbeaten Eagles. So again, Sunday night will jump in numbers because of the hate factor of Dallas and the Eagles being undefeated. They'll be going Um, up, uh, not to cut you off, but they'll be going up against a potential game four of the Yankees series or maybe game three. And uh, they'll, they'll, that'll be easy, though, because the Eagles are so good. The Cowboys are so good. I mean, that's going to be a, a massive number. Baseball will not be taking a bite out of the NFL this week. It'll be the other way around. And by the way, you can always cut me off because I, I, I jump in on you and we do the same back and forth when there's good things to say. By the way, the Monday night game for Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. What did we do in life, John, to deserve Russell Wilson and the Broncos in primetime yeah, again? The, well, am I is, correct? This is about to be their sixth game, and this is a fourth primetime standalone game of Russell Wilson injured and clearly not anywhere close to what we've seen in his heyday in Seattle yeah. in a primetime standalone game now with the Chargers. Chargers got a win last week in Cleveland, appear to be coming around a little bit here, back-to-back wins for them. Yeah. But well, I, I don't, I mean, are we going to use this to interrogate uh, people that we want state secrets out of to make them yeah. watch Russell Wilson and the Broncos again in prime time if they yeah. don't give it up. And then you have the Patriots the week after that, you know, wow. uh, you know, and uh, look, the reality is uh, the NFL sometimes just gets lucky because, you know, it's not like, I mean, I, I'm not going to say that anyone could have told you that the Broncos wouldn't be good because that's not true. But, you know, the Broncos, really should have had to prove that they needed to be on national TV. And what they, what needed to happen was that the Broncos would get a lot of late season Sunday night games that could be flexed out if they weren't good. Right. They start the season, maybe Wilson's debut. And then, you know, may, maybe we don't see them in prime time again until maybe week eight. And that, that this part of the season four times in the out. first six games. I mean, I just don't understand what was the, the confidence level seemed to be, Oh, they're going to be great just because they get Russell Wilson. I mean, you know, this isn't the NBA one player isn't going to do that. So, you know, I mean, unless his name is Tom Brady, right. And even Manning really in the first season made Denver dramatically better when he came. I mean, 
Like, Russell Wilson isn't at that level. I mean, maybe maybe it's only now obvious that that's the case, but I mean, he's not at that level. And, so, and he's hurt, and we yeah. now know that. And he looked like he was ailing or something was wrong in the, Indy, yeah. in the Indianapolis game. And at the time that John and I are releasing the podcast, we still got a full, what, six days before we find mm-hmm. out what he can do or not on Monday night against the Chargers. By the way, just one more NFL note before we move on. Bill's Chiefs rematch of that epic comeback by Mahomes and company in the playoff game at home against uh, Buffalo last January. That will be the CBS late game, uh, 4.30 Eastern time. Adjust your time zone accordingly with Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Fair to say that one will outdo Monday night football. It will outdo everything probably other than Cowboys and Eagles on Sunday night. It may it may yeah. compete with Cowboys Eagles. I don't know that it beat it, but it might be in the ballpark. Maybe not major markets, but it could be. I mean, I Josh, think it beats it easily. It's yeah. it's four twenty five p.m. rematch right. of the NFC title game. The Bills are good. The Chiefs have Mahomes. I think it. I think I would. I would be surprised if that didn't beat Cowboys Eagles. We forget four twenty five is the NFL's primary TV window. Better than uh, slightly than Sunday night as much as I mean, not even slightly, like comfortably 425 beats Sunday night by a wide march, you know, and what did it beat it by again for this past week? Cowboys, Rams beat Bengals, eight, nine million viewers. Okay, so there you go. So there's a reference point. But again, the cat is reversed. The Cowboys are in the primetime game here with the hate factor. But Josh Allen is very prominent. And Patrick Mahomes is obviously uh, one of the most recognizable figures in sports, and his mm-hmm. team just won an electric yeah. Monday night game as we're te- as we're taping this podcast here with a great comeback against the Raiders. So, you know, um, yeah, just looking at the Monday night schedule, they've got a lot of really rough games on paper. They got Broncos this week, Patriots week after that. You know, Bengals Browns could be good, but you know, the Browns. Uh, I, I don't believe the Browns are doing well so far, are they? I mean, they've dropped a couple of games now in the last couple of weeks. You know, you've got, you know, the Saints who are, they still got a little bit of their drawing power, but that's a 500 ball club to me. And 49ers, Cardinals, uh, I mean, that could be okay. Steelers, Colts, I wouldn't, I just don't know why, why are the Colts on Monday night twice? Why are the Patriots on Monday night twice? You know, uh, why are the Saints on Monday night twice? You know, uh, you, you get Buck and Aikman, but this schedule after it, it started strong, but you know what? ESPN isn't going to really have a good Monday night schedule again until they get the best teams in the league twice, as opposed to the mediocre teams twice, because forever they've only gotten the best teams in the league one time a year. They got to get those teams two times a year. Enough of the Patriots enough of, you know, I I think they might have the Steelers twice, which would be appalling. I mean, having the Steelers once is appalling. So, you know, (laughs) And we should say, while you're denigrating Pittsburgh as being part of Monday Night Football, et cetera, they have lost some games. I'm headed to Pittsburgh this weekend with the Buccaneers. Buccaneers, Steelers will be part of the Fox coverage uh, for this weekend. Uh, so lots on the NFL. And why don't we do this, uh, John? Why don't we bring in conversation about the NFL right now here on the Sports Media Watch podcast as uh, we have been knocking a little bit Thursday Night Football but one of the coaches that's a participant in Thursday Night Football, he's an interesting subject, so here's more. Yes, been looking forward to a quick conversation and catching up with George Offman and the Tell Me a Story I Don't Know podcast that is part of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast feed. Young man, how have you been? As we're now into the football season and soon to be Bulls, Blackhawks, and more in Chicago, how are things? Things are, as usual, down <laughs> Although the Bears played a half decent game by the second half last week, um, you know, the Cubs are looking at a rebuild. The White Sox had one of the most demoralizing seasons you can imagine. The Blackhawks could be the worst team in the NHL, and the Bulls are kind of uh, like a hamster in a cage. Other than that, things are great. Yeah, fantastic. So the sports teams are not fantastic. Uh, so yeah. I want to get the plug in right away that you got a, a tremendous conversation, if I do say so myself, because I got a chance to hear the entire thing with Ron Rivera that covered a lot of different subjects, former Bears assistant coach, former player on the Super Bowl 85 Bears team, former Bears assistant, former Panthers head coach who was in the Super Bowl, now with the Washington Commanders. It's timely because coming up Thursday, epic epic Thursday night game yet again for Amazon Prime with Bears Commanders. 
But you talked to Ron Rivera, not specifically about the game, but about the the uh, totality of his career, et cetera. Just expound a little more on this because I want the fans to go find it on this podcast feed and hear more of his stories, fascinating stories. Well, I mean, Ron was a great interview. Uh, he's a wonderful guy. I, I, I covered him as a player, uh, covered him as an assistant coach with the Chicago Bears. I think what's interesting is the timing of this, of course, the, the Bears are hosting Washington on Thursday. But more importantly is what he said to the media yesterday regarding the difference between his team and the other teams in the division. And he used one word, quarterback. And boy, did that create a controversy. And it, I got the feeling that that was a message to management. Yeah, you can fire me. It was a bad organization when he joined it. It's a worse organization now. There's no place to go. These guys agreed on the quarterback they wanted. And if it wasn't for an interception the other day, at the end of the game, they might have won. But it's just really, it's a bad situation in you, Washington. And he's, a, he's a pretty you, good coach. Yeah, if I can interject, you really believe that was almost like a cry for help. I'm going to start the quarterback controversy through the media again here myself. That's fascinating as the backdrop for this game on Thursday night uh, that, I, that maybe he wants out. You believe that. I can tell. I can see George right now, and the expression on your face is, I believe it. I, I think that's what he wants. He wants out of Washington. Wow. Well, listen, if they lose Thursday, he could be fired. It's There's a possibility it could be. Remember who's it running be, this organization. It would be a one-in-five start. It would be that's a one-in-five right. start. There's no place for them to go if they lose. There's certainly not much place to go even if they win the game. And the game is a toss-up at Soldier Field. But, you know, other than that, Ron Rivera's, you know, listen, when he had a really good quarterback in Carolina, he was twice named Coach of the Year. They went to the Super Bowl. You know this as well as I do. If you don't have a really good quarterback, you're not going to win in this league. Right now, he doesn't have a very good quarterback in Carson Wentz, and they're not winning. Well, and again, on this story, it's not so much the X's and O's, but he talks about the commander's situation and the name change uh, and his desire to continue to coach, even through cancer. I, I thought that yes. was very poignant when he was talking to you about that. He says, I'm just going to keep teasing. I'm going to work my tease score with you up to like a 10. Right now, I'm, at, I'm probably at about a seven. He says, I was pissed. I was angry because things were going so well in my life. And now they tell me I have cancer. You need to hear more of that on George's podcast, but I mean, he, he is very open about taking on the challenge with the commanders. When you talk to him and you talk to him in fairness in the off season and we're playing yes. it now, right. but it, has it really soured? I'm saying overall, not to you. Has it really soured to the point that five or six games in, he sees no light at the end of the tunnel and says, I just, I just have got to be out of here and be somewhere else. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know. I, I got that message. That's the message that I kind of got from what he said yesterday. But it's an interesting podcast. I mean, he talks about his history with the Bears and talks about being part of that great defense uh, that won the Super Bowl in 1985. And, of course, the defensive coordinator was Buddy Ryan. And he talks about the story. It's of shadowing Buddy Ryan. And that's where he got the itch to be a coach. Buddy Ryan mm. looked at him. I think Buddy Ryan saw that possibility of him being a coach. And, yes, after his career was done, he did wind up going into the coaching business and he wound up being the defensive coordinator, I believe defensive coordinator of the year for the Chicago Bears under Lovey Smith. And then Lovey Smith said, it's time for you to go. Well, when he left, he got himself a pretty good job in Carolina and proved that he could be a pretty good head coach. But as I've said before, you know, you're really a good head coach when you have a really good quarterback. And when their quarterback went down with injuries, they started to lose. And here's the other thing, just one more, and then we're moving on to other subjects with George Offman here as part of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. His podcast is on this feed. Tell me a story I don't know. Ron Rivera, the Washington Commanders coach, is the guest this week. Fascinating, multifaceted conversation. But I, I think uh, another aspect uh, to this is that uh, when he began to win, when they when they began to win, it it broadens out the, t the tenure and the time you pointed out, he was in Carolina for nine years. Most NFL coaches don't make it to like year four or five before That's it right. goes bad in any situation. If you are, if you are there like the fifth year, you're better than most. If you're there like the seventh year, the eighth year and the ninth year, I I'm not over-exaggerating. You're talking about hall of fame type credentials sometimes, depending on what the situation is that you lasted that long. You're doing that well. 
Uh, and we'll see. We'll see what happens with uh, Rivera. But great stories from him about the 85 Super Bowl shuffle. I learned something I didn't know about the Super Bowl shuffle because he started naming names on that day after they had lost to the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football. They flew all night and they had to tape the Super Bowl shuffle on their off day. He mentioned, I'll go ahead. Again, my T score is going up to an eight or a nine now. He mentioned I was not there. But then tune in for who he says on George's other on his podcast on other teammates that were actually not there for the taping and they put them in later. There's a tease, George Offman. They need to listen to tell me a story I don't know. It's a good tease because I didn't know that either. I didn't know it. And uh, and I heard that reaction in your voice. All right. So not just the Ron Rivera interview, but you a week ago, we put this out for the start of the NBA season, talked with Will Perdue, a four-time NBA world champion with the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. He is part of the Bulls broadcast, also does national stuff with ESPN's NBA radio coverage, et cetera. Tell me more about Will Perdue, because the Bulls season in the NBA is about to crank up as well. What I found most interesting with Will, who's really a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful person and a really good analyst, is he still has a lot of bitterness from his days as a member of the Chicago Bulls and the way he was treated by Michael Jordan and actually the way he was treated when he first came here. And I told him, I said, when you were drafted with the number 11 pick in the first round, people said, who's Will Perdue? And that's the way he felt when he came here saying, what do they think I am? Some high school player? You know, he was the SEC player and athlete of the year when he was with Vanderbilt. But he came here and he lumbered and Jordan just took aim at him. And, and it was a rough time, even though he won three titles here. And then he was traded to the San Antonio Spurs for Dennis Rodman. Mm. Rodman won three titles here and Purdue won another title with Pops in, uh, in San Antonio. But he talks about growing up in Florida and how this gangly guy who didn't want to play basketball wound up being a pretty darn good basketball player. And he really loves being an analyst. Love that. And I shared this with John Lewis last week. I want to share it with you and I'm repeating it here. He was such a prominent star that I still remember this as a teenager in the late eighties, early nineties, whenever this was, they were featuring Will Perdue because of his success at Vanderbilt. And on one of the newspapers, I cannot remember if it was the Tampa Tribune or which is now defunct or the St. Pete Times, what's now the Tampa Bay Times. They put an imprint of Will Perdue's size. What was it? 18 shoe? Eight. At something least. Like that. So prior to Shaquille O'Neal, Will Perdue had the ungodly biggest foot size in basketball. They put that on the newspaper. The shoe print was beside the article where when you folded out the newspaper, you could lay it on the ground. Teenage TJ with a size 13 foot vividly remembers 30 years later, putting that (laughs) newspaper on the ground and putting my foot on the imprint of that to see how I measured up to Will Perdue. And you guys talk about it. On, on his big feet, his lumbering style, whatever, on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Another plug for the podcast. Isn't it funny that so far I've had two podcasts in which people are talking about the size of their feet. The other one is another Bulls analyst and a player who played with Will Perdue, Bill Weddington, right. who as a kid outgrew his skates to the point where he had to change sports because his feet were too big. Couldn't fit what in What is skates. this about feet? Yeah, I'm with you, <laughs> I'm with you on that. couple moments left. Bob Costas is back. Uh, John and I have already made mention uh, of the fact the baseball playoffs ongoing and Bob Costas back doing a playoff series for the first time since 2000. He'll work the Guardians, uh, New York Yankees, best of five series for Turner in the American League Divisional Series. You interviewed Bob Costas as well. It's in the archive on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Go back on this podcast feed and find the conversation. But your comment, just real quick, please, on Bob being back. Uh, even in his 70s, he's one of the great baseball voices of the last 30 or 40 years. He's back doing a full playoff series. I know Costas is excited. What are your thoughts, George, having spent time with him and knowing him as, as well as you do? Baseball is a better game when Bob Costas is behind the mic. That's really simple. You know, I, I remember Greg Gumbel saying it doesn't really matter who broadcasts the game. It's the game. And he's right about that. But it's people who enhance the game. And Bob Costas will enhance the game. He will make this game even more exciting than it will be. Um, his track credentials are, you know, illustrious. Uh, there's no questioning that, but I'm really, really thrilled to see that. I will be very happy to watch the game and to hear him. It's, uh, it's a credit to baseball that he's doing it. And I hope when they get to the next round that Bob Costas is around in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, he's allegedly, I believe it's it's set up for that he will be in the studio for the Turner ALCS coverage. He'll do the Great. divisional series. 
then he'll be in the studio as part of covering it. You referenced Greg Gumbel. You recently had him on on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, talking NFL, talking the NCAA tournament. In fact, a second part with Greg Gumbel, if I understand what your plans are correctly, is going to come in March on the NCAA tournament coverage and working with Clark Kellogg and Seth Davis and Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and calling games. So, but here part one with Greg Gumbel talking about his upbringing in Chicago, his brother Bryant working in the NFL also on tell me a story. I don't know. That's all right there in the library. It is. And if you pay attention next week, we've got a really big game, big name guest coming up, a guy who honed his craft in Chicago and has now become national Jesse Rogers. How about Ooh, that? You can see I'm the uh, baseball broadcast with ESPN. I've known Jesse so since the day he walked uh, into the score radio. Saw him back on uh, the weekend working the wild card series, one of yes. them for ESPN TV. So Jesse Rogers next week. Again, yeah. George has kind of a Chicago slant, but you got names like Greg Gumbel, Bob Costas, Mike Greenberg, Kevin Harlan, on and on that have been on this podcast that are more national in scope. So there's something for everybody in terms of sports media and play-by-play broadcasters, et cetera. Did we cover everything that we needed to cover, including should we hide the women and children or are we allowed to watch Commander's Bears Thursday night? What's the verdict? Thumbs up oh, or listen. thumbs down? No, no, no. It's, it's either that or a soap opera. Wait a minute. This is a soap opera. Watch yeah. the game. Yes. We'll see if it's better. George Offman, thank you for hanging on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. We want them to listen to Ron Rivera this week on this podcast feed with you on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. Thank you, young man. Always my pleasure, younger man. couple of things from that. I found it fascinating that he was not part of the Super Bowl shuffle video, but he revealed, and, and uh, George was saying it too in the interview, George didn't know this, Jim McMahon, Walter Payton, uh, Refrigerator Perry, none of them were there on the day after that Monday night loss, that famous Monday night loss to Dan Marino and the Dolphins. And they actually, he called it blue screen. They blue screened them in later on the video. They weren't actually there with all the other group. So I found uh, that interesting. And, and, and again, um, with, uh, with Ron making comments about the commander's name, I thought that was interesting on the different names they were looking at using. Yeah. Um, I did find it humorous. I, did, I laughed out loud that they were actually seriously considering Washington generals. I don't think they were because of the Harlem Globetrotters right. kind of connotation. You can't believe that ever got seriously considered but uh the commanders and the bears and ron rivera tied to uh to both of them and he even explained so i'm i'm just gonna wait for the john reaction have you ever seen an episode of chico and the man like they were talking about just there and talking about on the podcast uh as well because that's rivera's nickname is chico and it comes from buddy ryan calling him that because he reminded him of freddie prince the actor who played Chico on Chico and the Man, the 70s sitcom. That's a touch before my time, well before your time. Any idea on Chico no, and the Man actually, for you? No. I, I, that's one of the rare one of the rare shows from that time I have no clue about. Correct. I can't even visualize. It was popular for a couple, three years, and Buddy Ryan started calling Ron Rivera Chico. He nicknamed everybody something. You either had a nickname or a number, as Rivera described it. And he took it as a term of affection. And now everybody from Chicago calls him Chico. So it's what's been the case. So anyway, good stuff there from George. And as he mentioned, you can go back and we mentioned, you can go back to the archive and hear the Bob Costas conversation. Costas doing the baseball playoffs, Will Perdue. And um, uh, also Bill Wennington had been recently on his uh, present season here uh, for the NBA stuff with the Chicago Bulls. Greg Gumbel as well doing the NFL on CBS. George doing a great job here. All of those as part of the sportsmediawatch.com podcast feed. Tell me a story. I don't know. Speaking of the NBA. That will lead us into what we're doing next. Love it or leave it. The NBA season is right around the corner with preseason basketball. Coverage of the Draymond Green situation here. Uh, Punching teammate Jordan Poole in a practice since last we talked. Clearly there have been issues with Draymond Green on the court with other players and incidents, officials, or whatever. This is slugging one of your own teammates in a practice. John, your thoughts uh, here on this and the coverage of it, because I've got a I've got a take as well. But your thoughts? Well, you know, it's very interesting. Uh, ultimately, the debate about whether or not you know this is something that normally happens. Um, it is something that happens a lot, but you don't have the video footage, right? So without that, you know, we know that Shaq went after Kobe, according to Jeff Perlman's book. We know that obviously Michael Jordan punched Steve Kerr. 
uh, but there's no footage. Uh, so, you know, it kind of, it makes it completely different. We see uh, Draymond punching his uh, Jordan Poole. And the interesting thing is that, you know, the story was very different before we had that video, you know, because you can envision in your mind, I think we all price in the reality of athletic combat, which is sometimes when people are kind of in the midst of the moment, you know, in the heat of it, you know, you might get a punch thrown while, you, you know, people are jockeying for position. And that's kind of what I think a lot of people thought, you know, like a, a punch, just kind of not even a big wind up or anything. So something that just happens. Instead, this is, everyone's kind of idling around. There's nothing going on. Uh, Draymond accosts Poole, gets into his space, Poole pushes him back. And then Draymond, you know, rears back with the, the punch. It just looks so much worse than what I think most people conjured up in their minds. Very definition of a sucker punch. When you hear people talk about a sucker punch, that means somebody who's not expecting you to take a swing on them. That's yeah. exactly what happened. And so two things about this. One, what's taking so long to find out how that video got out? Because there's only a select number of people that would have had access to it to be able to leak it first of all, because it's a practice video. It's not yeah. a game. It's not somebody on their cell phone in the stands right. or videotaping practice. And number two, the bigger picture here, they're off a world championship win. Is, is this going to be a growing bigger problem? Speculate here that Jerome, uh, I'm sorry, that Draymond Green's um, behavior, even now towards his own teammates, is going to be a bigger issue and a bigger distraction for the Warriors. Do you, uh, do you buy that? No, I mean, the Warriors are going to, I mean, you know, the Warriors are the Warriors, right? They, they didn't get to where they are letting, you know, any, anything like this trip them up. I think it's just more along the lines of just another, you know, another log on the fire to add to kind of a very ornery and, you know, kind of unpleasant NBA off season. You add this to the Udoka story, you add it to the Sarver story, you add it to even the Kyrie stuff. And, you know, I mean, it's the league, this is why I said the other day, I kind of felt like there was no momentum for the league entering the season and just a lot of negative stories. And people get upset when you say stuff like that. But the reality of the matter is, you know, if even the Warriors now are kind of entering the season in a bit of a funk and the Warriors, you know, they, they, they're always uh, having good times because they win all the time. You know uh, I mean, if even the Warriors are entering the season in a funk, you can add them to the Suns and the Nets and the Celtics and uh, I mean, I guess maybe not the Lakers, even though they're bringing back Russ, uh, they seem to be knock on wood, uh, not having the worst time yet. I mean, it just there's, there's just a lot of negativity entering the season, in, in my view. But you don't think it's a concern with Jermon Green when you're punching out your own teammate and you've seen things continue to escalate on the court with behavior towards others. You don't foresee this as becoming a larger problem. No, I mean, didn't Draymond, you know, lose his mind in the locker room the year they won 73 games and, you know, the police had to be weighing whether to go into the locker room. I mean, you know, I mean, look, Draymond is an interesting guy. He's very, very intelligent, very well, mm -hmm. you know, very well done as an analyst. Uh, he, he's a natural at TV. Um He's also someone who has a lot of bullying tendencies that have been allowed to, you know, that have not been addressed because the Warriors win with those bullying tendencies. I mean, they know... Easily triggered is another way to put it, too. Well, not even that, because he's not easily triggered. You know, uh, that I would implies, disagree with that. I mean, you uh, see opponents needle him and trigger him and get him to react... That's what I mean by it. Easily triggered on the court. See, I come I, at it from this mm -hmm. standpoint, from the competitive and in the game, it, from a psychological standpoint, if I can get an edge, however it is, I'm at an advantage at the elite level. Now we're talking about, I'm not an elite athlete, neither are you. Most of the people that are hearing us don't know what we're talking about in terms of elite athletes. We don't know that we don't live that life, but the elite athletes are always looking for an edge somehow, some way. If I can get you off your game, get you mad at me, get you upset at the refs, get you thrown out of the game or whatever. If I can trigger you, that's that's only yeah. going to continue at the elite level here to be a problem for him if he, right. uh, if I, I believe that they're going to yeah, needle but, him. They're going to work well, him into it, try to trigger him. Yeah, but Draymond never gets ejected. So, you know. Uh, well, he eventually, well, he has. He got ejected. Didn't he get ejected in a playoff series last year? He finally got a double. 
I think he did last year. Uh, I Maybe feel not. like I may be wrong about four, that. Five or did he, did he, I was going to say, did he rise to the number? Oh, of he rises to the level every single game. He right. rises to the level of being thrown out every single game. He just never but he, does. But he accumulated enough technicals yeah. where he got a suspension. Well, yeah, that, that's, what, that's what happened in the finals against the Cavs uh, in, in 16. But, you know, the, what I'm saying is I don't think Draymond is easily triggered. I, I I really don't. I just think he's he's got bullying tendencies. And to me, you know, that was from the start. That was before they were winning titles that he had that. And, you know, um, he's usually smart enough to keep it to where it doesn't go too far. I mean, and certainly he gets more latitude than most players, certainly more than Rashid Wallace, for example. Um, but, you know, I, mean, I don't think it'll affect them on the court because this is, this is an extension of, of, of the Draymond experience for a decade. Usually doesn't go this far. So I, I would not expect there to be a problem. I do, you know, look, and, and so it is kind of odd because he's gotten a lot of heat, a lot more heat than I thought he would get because one, punches do get thrown in the NBA. Uh, I'm not one of these people who's going to suggest that Jordan Poole was somehow asking for it because he pushed him away. If you crowd someone's space, you should expect to get pushed. It doesn't give you a license to punch back. I think that's asinine. But, you know, certainly I, I think these things do happen. It, it's not I, on our test. I defer to you for much more on the NBA, but give me credit. Draymond Green thrown out of game one of the Memphis series for a oh, double yeah. technical foul. I, I thought I remembered that. that. I have yeah. things in the recesses of my brain from time to time that come to the I was, I was sleeping. I, I, I slept in that game. I had COVID, I remember? Been. I should I have been sleeping. I should have been sleeping on that. Let's move on, shall we? Love it or leave it. Next up, NASCAR ratings. I know you wrote about this on the site. They're in the midst of their playoffs. Love it or leave it. Is the public loving or leaving the 2022 version of the NASCAR postseason? You know, NASCAR is in a bit of a funk right now in terms of the ratings. Uh, uh, since the start of the NFL season, the ratings have been largely down. It's not been great. Uh, hit a low at Talladega this past week. Uh, you know, uh, there's been a. It's been almost like where NASCAR was a few years ago uh, in terms of some of the some of the discussion that we've been hearing about the the state of the the racing. People seem to be complaining about the safety of the cars. Certainly, the drivers are, and it definitely seems like some of the magic uh, the magic carpet ride there for NASCAR, which was more than anything, everybody else collapsing way worse than NASCAR was, uh, seems to be kind of fading a bit. Uh, it's interesting because we're getting up to this new TV deal. I'm going to be very intrigued to see what NASCAR's new TV deal looks like. The folks at NASCAR, you know, I've spoken to them. Uh, and they seem to obviously be wanting to continue the over-the-air TV, cable TV. But you wonder about what we're going to see from a Peacock, you know, a, maybe even a Paramount Plus. CBS doesn't have rights yet, but you know, an ESPN plus, it'll be interesting to see if they start to get into that directed subscriber because, you know, they're, you know, look, certainly this time of year, they're going to need to figure something different out. Um, now, look, it is certainly true that NASCAR's numbers, even at lows are pretty incredible on NFL Sundays, right? They're getting nearly 3 million viewers for a race on an NFL Sunday. I mean, that, that is pretty impressive. Uh, and that was Talladega at 2.8 this past week, 2.39 million for Charlotte. Those are great numbers opposite the NFL, but you know, when you're a once a week sport, think about it the whole week, your top race, 2.39 million. Uh, and then your only other telecast, which is Xfinity, uh, is 1.25 million. So re remember that once a week aspect, because it means that's it for the whole week for the NBA, you know, you're accumulating more viewers in the average fall week across your RSNs and national TV. Frankly, I would imagine the same thing for the NHL, even with its numbers being as low as they are. When you're a once a week sport, even though it's an impressive figure, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, to me, it's uh, they, they, they need to figure something different out for, for the fall. One of the things I was going to put into the conversation mix here is that golf figured out we've got to get our playoffs done yeah. before the college football season and the NFL season in specific crank up in September. So they, they did away with on the schedule, having those in September, NASCAR goes all the way into November yeah, for its championship, and they always have for its championship, but maybe they just believe, I know this is part of it. Again, I'm based in Florida. It's a big NASCAR state. I know people that have worked in and for NASCAR, they believe their audience is going to follow them and they will have audience there, obviously. 
in September, October, November while the football's going on. And yeah. it's not great audience. It's not massive audience, yeah. but it's solid. And yeah. it's their audience, even though it's going head to head with the pigskin. I've said before, and I'll say it again. I think they should have Fox air races in the fall and take advantage of that NFL lead in going up against the NFL is a lot easier if you have an NFL lead in. So that means 425 on those single header Sundays. Obviously the single header is most of the country gets a one o'clock game. Some of the country gets a four o'clock game. My thought is for the part of the country that gets a one o'clock game, they get NASCAR after for the part of the country that gets a four o'clock game, they get NASCAR and FS1 combined. You're still going to get more viewers for that. Because in two thirds of the country, you have an NFL lead in. But still, I just on that on that. If I'm uh, if I'm Fox and I've got a double header every other week, I don't I don't want to have to worry about a NASCAR race uh, in that mix. And that's the reason why they've always in their TV deal done the first half of the season and said, let others figure it out. What's your counter to that? For the double header weeks, maybe a few of those weeks you put NASCAR in prime time, like the final week of the season, the series season finale in Phoenix. That can be an eight o'clock race after the NFL. And then every other doubleheader week, just put it on FS1. You'll still end up having more NASCAR races on over the year than you have with NBC if you just go with the single header weeks, because a lot of those NBC races are on cable anyway. So, you know, to me, I say let Fox keep Daytona and a couple of other early season races. Give them the fall because then you can at least work with the NFL and then NBC can pick it up and, you know, go from April to the end of August or something like that. And right. in exchange, uh, let me just put point this out because NBC would probably hate that because, you know, they don't get the finale. Let NBC get Daytona every other year, which for NASCAR would actually be a good thing. The most watched to alternate exactly. earlier in the century. Exactly. God, it's, it's amazing to always say that earlier in the century, they did alternate where NBC would do the first race, the Daytona 500, and then not do another race again for like yeah. four or five months. Fox yeah. would go with their normal schedule. And so NBC had the most watched Daytona 500 in the Olympic year. Right. So think about it. NBC still has winter Olympics every four years, every four years, Daytona is on NBC or every two years. And of course that includes the Olympic year. Uh, you know, that could benefit NASCAR as well, uh, giving Daytona, which sorely needs a boost, uh, a little bit of a boost there. Quickly, we move on to another one. Love it or leave it. Made reference early in the podcast that the National Hockey League gets underway here. The Colorado Avalanche, oh, it pains me to say it, are the defending Stanley Cup champs having beaten the Tampa Bay Lightning, ESPN, and Turner full-fledged involved here uh, with the hockey getting underway. Is it going to maybe get a little lost in the shuffle? Because a year ago at this time, you and I were talking about it returning to ESPN for the first time in 20 years, essentially, like 18 years, whatever it was, uh, 2004, right? 18 years. But now that novelty is gone. Is it lost a little bit in the shuffle here for a little while because of that around the football and the baseball playoffs, et cetera? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, even for, even for Turner, it's lost in the shuffle, you know, I mean, they got baseball playoffs today and tomorrow and the NBA in a week, you know, I mean, it's, there's no way that right now those NHL guys are walking around the Atlanta studios and people expect to see them there. It's like, Oh, you're here too. Oh, (laughs) Gretzky's here. What's going on? You know? So um, look, uh, this is the way it is. The NHL always sneaks up on you. The NHL season for the average sports fan doesn't begin until at least the winter classic, the NBA is a little bit similar, but people pay attention when the NBA starts. They then check out for a few months, but they pay attention when the NBA starts. People don't pay attention when the NHL starts. That's just a reality. Much bigger fan base in the NBA. Well, yeah, know that. But I'm talking about casual viewers. I'm talking about, you know, the casuals. They know when the NBA starts. They know opening night of the NBA season and they know maybe even that opening week. And then they check out for a few months and come back at Christmas. With the NHL, they don't know it starts. They don't pick that up until the Winter Classic. All right, so there you go on the NHL. One more. Love it or leave it. All right, the horror movies are out everywhere. Can I believe, uh, do I see this? Jamie Lee Curtis is doing yet another Halloween movie. Uh, Are you a horror movie guy at all? Did you ever get into those? Did you ever watch those in and around Halloween, Friday the 13th? Any of that? Love it or leave it, John Lewis. 
No, I mean, I've said my favorite uh, my favorite movie is The Shining, uh, Kubrick's version, not the version with Gus from Recess and the guy from Wings, uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Okay. You know, uh, the, 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 the Kubrick version is my favorite film. I've always enjoyed that. Uh, I love bad horror movies. Uh, and uh, the Riff Tracks guys just mm-hmm. bought it. I just bought their new video. They did one about, uh, I think it was called Blood Harvest or one of those, you know, every right. one of those All those bad B horror movies that they would kill on that show. And also we bring it back again, Mystery Science Theater 3000 yeah, that are indeed. killing the bad horror movies or sci-fi movies. Yeah, it was called Blood Harvest, starring Tiny Tim the Clown. You ever heard of Tiny Tim the Clown? Apparently, can't, can't he, say that I have. He would be on Carson. They said in the riff that Tiny Tim got married on Carson, and I couldn't believe I'll it. Take their word for it, or we got yeah. YouTube it. One of the two. Yeah, I've never even heard of this. Tiny Jamie Tim Lee guy. Curtis has been involved with the Halloween series for going on forty years of yeah. the franchise. It's yeah. Amazing. I don't know. Jamie Lee Curtis, it's about the Halloween franchise and the Activia ads, right? What else? What else are we talking about? Are we talking about uh, True Lies, I guess? True Lies, about, yes. Uh, uh, you go back to some Freaky movies in the Friday. end. Trading, trading Places. Yeah, that's Freaky true. Friday, that, Trading that, Places. That's a great movie. Yeah. Uh, what else for Jamie Lee Curtis? But True Lies, yeah, excellent. Boris and Doris. Yeah, gotta love that with Arnold. Uh, yeah. Back in the day. I think uh, I think we're good, though, on this edition. Uh, John, as always, have a good rest of the week. We encourage people to read the site, sportsmediawatch.com. Thank you, my friend. Hey, no problem. Thank you. Follow, subscribe here on the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, for now, uh, we are done here on this edition of the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. For John Lewis, I am TJ Reeves. Thank you for being with us. Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beat brand for heart health support. The new Superbeats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Superbeats Heart Chews Advance are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.